Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode. Today, I bring you Dr. Mark King of Motion Palpation Institute, and I was lucky enough to have him uh, a few weeks back present on leadership to our mastermind group. And so I actually invited him on because we had such good conversations around that. And so I invited him on to go over a few of the topics that we discussed in that group and kind of workshop through that for you. So you're going to get four or five things uh, that we all got from the mastermind that uh, Dr. King had uh, facilitated and, and, and participated in. And so uh, we're going to talk about everything from ego to vision planning over three, 10 years, uh, getting a good associate, being becoming a desired associate, right? Like there's a lot of stuff around associates, figuring out how to, you know, overcome some of the obstacles that are, that are there, um, the importance of getting in person, at events right now, and, and we dive into a lot of things around that and just have a great uh, conversation. Uh, you will hear, hear us talk about the Mastermind a fair amount. Uh, we had a great weekend. It was the third weekend of four for this year. Uh, this year is is closed, but we, we are actually uh, having another 2023, and we've, uh, we've got 17 of the 20 spots uh, already taken, but we do have a few, and you can just check that out. You can go to our website, modernchiropracticmarketing.com, and there's a tab there called Mastermind. You can see the details there. You do have to, uh, cheat, you know, kind of qualify for certain revenue things and, and stuff like that. And you can definitely set up a call with me if you want to see if it's a right fit for you and your business partner, if you have one. Uh, but we, we do talk a little bit about that. Um, but our main goal for this particular episode was really diving into transformational leadership. And that really is everything from, you know, yourself to leading your team, to your patients, to your family, your community, it goes a long way. And there's just no way around it. Um, if you're going to practice, you need to become the best leader uh, you can. And, and you may not think you uh, have the leadership skills right now, or, you know, quote, unquote, weren't, weren't born with it. But the good news is, is you can improve as a leader, and you can get a lot better at it. And so we dive into some of those topics. So here's my interview with Dr. Mark King. Before we get to the episode, I want to tell you about my friend and colleague, Dr. Holly Tucker of ChiroNumbers.com. Have you been in practice a few years now and you're wondering when your business will start to reward you financially? Are you so overwhelmed with the day-to-day -day business management that it is hard to see your success? Or are you trying to expand your team and worried about the impact to the bottom line? Dr. Holly is a certified profit-first professional and a chiropractor herself who has managed multiple practices over the past 10 years and consults specifically on implementing the cash flow system of Profit First for chiropractors. Simplify the way you look at stats, metrics, and your own compensation through this methodology by working with someone with unique experience in your business model. Visit bit.ly bit slash chiro numbers to get your guide and video training. Download the first two chapters of Profit First and subscribe to her weekly five-minute Friday series on profitability. Start to feel less overwhelmed, avoid burnout, and clean up your finances so you can focus on patient care. 
Again, that's bit.ly slash Cairo numbers for access to Dr. Holly's resources. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, excited to have Mark King on the episode. We're going to dive into something that uh, we just had a, a lot of great conversation around a couple of weekends ago in Sarasota during the mastermind. And, and really when I, a year ago, uh, developed the, the concept of the mastermind, uh, you know, Mark was one of the first people I had called about presenting uh, to be one of our guest presenters. So each weekend we had a, a guest presenter and, and he obliged and then also decided to join the mastermind. So that was even cooler. Uh, but it really started out with him uh, talking about leadership and really transformational leadership, because no matter what you're going to do in this profession, uh, there's going to take a lot of leadership, whether it's with your patients, with your team members uh, in the community, and even with your, your family. And so, uh, Mark, you were kind enough to, to join us for the whole year. And in particular, what we're going to dive in today in Sarasota, Florida on uh, leadership. So uh, welcome to the show. Thrilled to be here. Always great to talk with you, Kevin. Yeah, it, we had a great, we had a fun week and we, we, we definitely um, had a lot of leaders in the room, which was pretty cool too. I think you would agree to that um, and, and to be able to have you present it and then us really workshop, it was great. Uh, one of the things that I had asked you prior to Sarasota was what book would you recommend that I get for the group on, on your behalf? And, and you mentioned Ego is the Enemy by Ron, Ryan Holiday. And and I thought that was an interesting um, decision on your part, and it made a lot of sense. And, you know, because a lot of times ego is the enemy of good leadership. So can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, a few years ago, Corey Campbell had told me to read this book by Ryan Holiday, Stillness is the Key. And because <clears throat> you know how the world is going fast and, yep. and you need to be able to uh, uh, slow it down sometimes and so I started, I read that book um, and then I started reading more of his stuff. And the ego is the enemy is the reason I like that so much from a leadership standpoint is that really the same thing when you're with patients is this idea that your patient doesn't want someone who lacks confidence. They don't want someone who is cocky. They want someone who is confident about what they're doing, but, but you're able to um, be on the same page with them, uh, know, have them know that you're with them. Uh, and like I say, whether you're leading your office staff or whether you're uh, uh, with your patient or whatever the circumstances are, this idea that you're um, so insecure that you want to come across as cocky, no one really likes that. Um, and, and when people are cocky, it's just a sign that they're insecure. It's, that's all it is. That's all it amounts to. And so people say, oh, well, he should be cocky. He, he's a big deal. Well, no, he's just an insecure little boy in there. And that's why he's cocky. So that's not how Ryan Holiday said it. That's how I'm saying it. But Ryan Holiday just gives a lot of little situations and examples of leaders through history and why they were good leaders, why they were great leaders, and little tidbits you can learn from that as you go through the, through the book. I, just, I really would recommend that to anyone in a leadership position. And that could even be the leader of your children, leadership of your staff, of your patients, of a, of a basketball team or a soccer team. You get the point. So I just a lot of great lessons in that book. Yeah, and I think one of the keys when you can have that egoless leadership is the sustainability of it, right? Like we we see all see those uh, cult of personalities out there and, and and hard chargers that accomplish a lot, but uh, you know end up fading away or or some something damaging happening in their lives. I mean, we've seen that all the time. Uh, 
where that happens and the ego just completely undermines the, the whole thing. And so, uh, you know, if you're going to be in this profession uh, and have a successful career, uh, you know, you need sustainability, right? You need sustainability in life. And that's why I think it resonated with all of us when we chatted about it uh, that particular weekend. Have you ever read the book uh, by Jim Collins, Good to Great? Yep. He used all these examples of good companies that either became great or fizzled out. Mm-hmm. He, one of the things he emphasized was you, had, you have to be focused on the, on the organization, the company, the, the team, mm-hmm. rather than yourself. He, one of the examples you used with Lee Iacocca, then most of your audience is too young to remember this, but he was, mm-hmm. he saved Chrysler, mm-hmm. um, which was a car maker back in the day. And they were going to be in big trouble. And this big personality, Lee Iacocca, came in and saved the company. Well, as time went on, that big personality, that big ego got in the way. And it really hurt their growth long term. He saved them from destruction at that time. But long term, they, they had ultimately had to get rid of him because he became, that, that ego became a, a big problem. That's another book I would recommend is Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah, that's, just, that, that, that's how I feel about, uh, you know, whether we're talking about modern chiropractic marketing or my office, Mount Lookout Chiropractic Center or Mount Emotion Palpation Institute. I want these these groups to still be going 10 years from now, 15 years, 50 years from now, 100 years from now to still be going. And the way the one of the ways to do that is to think about the company, what's best for the company rather than what's best for you all the time. And that's something I've been trying to improve as well is, is look at decisions or um, even maybe transformations in the practice. You're trying to do something like look at it from the eyes of each person, whether it's the front desk or the associate or the CA or or yourself or your family, right. Even, even that regard and try to look at it from all their angles and make decisions and get you know, even get their feedback a lot. I know that's what you do a lot in your practice is getting feedback from the other providers and, and, and things like that. So um, any, any thoughts on that? Well, what happens is if you surround yourself with talented people, you know, like we were talking about this mastermind thing, and I guess your audience knows what we're talking about with that four classes mm-hmm. you're doing in Florida in, in 2022, and you'll do again in 2023. The, really the reason I wanted to be involved with it was because I knew there were going to be a bunch of other really smart docs. And I've said this before, but the guys and gals in this class are super bright. And the way you make yourself, one of the ways to make yourself, there's a lot of ways you have to work hard and study hard and all that. But one of the ways you uh, improve is to be around other really smart people. And if you're around these other really smart people, you share ideas and you, uh, you, you gain ideas from talking to, uh, from these other docs, like you, Oh, I didn't think of that kind of thing. And so put yourself around other talented people don't uh, always be the smartest guy in the room kind of thing. You don't, that, that, that's was the draw for me to that mastermind group was that I, I knew I, some of the guys I knew and, and most of the guys I didn't, but I knew you were going to attract guys that were uh, smart and, and doing well in practice and working hard. And I knew I would learn stuff from them. And yeah, it was amazing just to be, be around them. And, and also quite frankly, a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I think one of the things that I noticed over the few weekends of, you know, I obviously known you for a long time, but in these settings, it's a little bit different conversations and, and everybody's willing to share issues they may have within their practice and stuff. And there's been a few conversations and you will not mince words when it comes to uh, an employee or a team member or an associate or a doctor that is just not cutting it 
like you're straight, like you got to get rid of that person. Right. Like, and, and that's a testament to you knowing, like you need talent around you because if you allow, uh, you know, B players that like Jay talked about in weekend one, Jay Greenstein, if you allow those B players and C players and into your team, it's going to affect the whole thing. And then now you're not providing leadership. And so there's been some people where they're like, Oh, I got this team member. And you're like, you know, you'll, you'll ask them questions of like, did you try to do this coach or this, that, and the other thing. And, and if everything's been exhausted, you're just like straight to the point. It's like, you got to get rid of them, you know? And I, I admired hearing that a couple of times. Well, and the, the re the, that's easier said than done by me, but it, it is so important. So that's one of the reasons why I say you have to filter so hard on the front end whether I'm talking to someone who wants to be an associate in an office or whether it's the owner or doctor who is getting ready to hire an associate, you need to take your time and find the right person. I will admit to having, having gotten lucky on a lot of the people that, that I have in our group. We have eight chiropractors there and a couple of physical therapists and PTA. The, these chiropractors in, in my office, they're just unbelievably talented, but I knew that going in. Now that does not guarantee that it's gonna work out. That only means you have a chance. They're honest, they're super smart, they're super hard workers. They're intrinsically motivated, as, as Corey Campbell always says. They are the real deal. Even with that, you still might not work out. But at least give yourself a chance and start with somebody who's honest, who's smart, who's willing to work hard and, and, and wants to be part of a team. And, and then that at least gives you a chance going forward. I always joke that, you know, if you love your spouse, it, marriage can still be challenging right i mean mm -hmm. even if you love them i if you don't love them i just there's no chance yeah. but if you if you love them at least you can you can work on it make things work and you know what i mean and in your office if you start with that quality person um you at least have a chance and if you start with somebody who is a uh a b player like uh, dr greenstein uh <laughs> talked about you you don't have a chance yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. And so uh, I think that's something that we kind of struggle with. And, I, you know, maybe that takes some time and, and confidence to get to that point where you can realize, you know what, like we did everything we could to uh, coach this person and they just couldn't get there and, and then moving on from them. So that was. Uh, oh, it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard for you to admit that you got the wrong one. I, I just did the... this a, a couple of years ago with a person that we hired that, um, uh, it just, I screwed up. I just, they got the wrong one and, and, and had to, had to let her go. And, and it, it was hard because she wasn't a bad person. She just wasn't going to fit. And that's part of that ego, right? Like sometimes you're like, uh, you, you, your ego gets involved is like, you don't want to admit that you made a bad hire. <laughs> Bingo. Right. So sometimes when you really can get clear on, on not having ego on stuff, it, it opens up uh, objectivity and you can make the right decision. So I, I think, and you, you always know, think, Oh, I can, this, this person's going to come around, but mm -hmm. if they're, you know, if, if they're just, if it's just not there, you, you just have to accept it. It's, it doesn't make them a bad person. It's not a fit in your office. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and that's no doubt. So that was, I thought we had a lot of good conversation around that. Um, another topic we'll kind of segue to that. We, we dove a lot into, and we even broke out and did some of this was um, kind of a three and 10 year, uh, vision. Uh, can you, can you just give us a little bit of a thought process on what you've done in the, in your career uh, around a 10 year vision? And then we can kind of go down to the three year. Well, first of all, uh, Kevin's line, it was a three, 10 and 25 year vision. 
<laughs> and of course, then the people in the audience said, well, we, Mark can't do the 25 years. He's going to be dead before that. <laughs> so uh, after I quit crying and got my feelings hurt, um, we came back and we did it. But uh, I'm 62, so I fully plan to be doing uh, a 25-year plan. Uh, I've been around in 25 years and still doing stuff. But the idea of the, the idea of the three or in 10 and 25, the idea of this physically going through the exercise, it's amazing what, how, how helpful that is. You think, well, okay, so I want to, you know, have a fancy car in three years, or I want to do this with my practice and have two associates. You need to write it down. So you know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, it's just life just happens to you. So the, the actual physical exercise that we went through with three-year and 10-year plans, where do I want to be, is very um, helpful. And it, it, it's, it, is, it help, organizes your thoughts. It gives you a direction. And then you can say, okay, how do I get there? Because once you figure out what you want, then you can reverse engineer that and say, okay, this is how we're going to get there. I just found it, it was a powerful exercise. And you may say, I want to do a one-year and a five-year. Irrelevant. Pick. Yeah. Uh, Kevin picked three, 10 and 25. I thought that was fine. If he just said one, five and 15, I would have said that's fine too. That's, that's not the point. But if you sit down and really think about where you want to go with this, you can really help yourself get there. The, 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 just the process of going through that is very helpful. Yeah, I thought that went well. You know, you and I had a phone call, you know, a month or two prior to the, your, your uh, presentation just to go over things. And you had, you had in there, you know, 10 year and, and vision and, and all that. And I had done a lot around that. And I was like, okay, because I basically the way I needed to structure it was you do the morning. And then we do I kind of facilitate the afternoon as far as working through the material that you presented. And I was like, all right, this is perfect. We're going to, each of us are going to go through a 10 year and, and really dive deep into the three year. Uh, I kind of prepped everybody ahead of the weekend. I was like, okay, what's your 10 year vision? We don't need to necessarily reverse engineer that right now, but I want to know what your 10 year is. And then let's reverse engineer the three years and, and go from there. And for me, uh, it was, it was eye opening because I started the three year vision back when I turned 40 and I'm kind of wrapping up age 42 here. And I'm going to do another one based off that particular weekend where what does, you know, age 45 look like for me and get very clear on it. And uh, I got a lot of good feedback from that weekend on people doing that and, and really putting together the plan and which was, which was pretty neat too uh, in that strategic coach tool that, that they sent us for this. Uh, it has you list out the obstacles and, you know, Ryan Holiday has another book called The Obstacle is the Way, right? And so we were able to kind of take the obstacles and say, okay, what would prevent you from having that? And then you got to actually develop a little strategy for every obstacle. And that really seemed to be eye-opening for people, which was pretty cool. I'm at a little bit of a different crossroads, so to speak, uh, mm -hmm. compared to some of your audience, because I'm older, I'm 62. And, do, you know, do at some point, do I want to sell this clinic that I'm involved with? Mm -hmm. Do I want to focus on one aspect more than the other? I mean, you, you, you go along and you work hard and you make some money and you, you know, you don't have to work quite as hard and you can, you can goof off a little more and, 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 and ride your bike more or something. And, you know, so what, what do I want to do exactly with this? I'm very much involved still with patient care and very involved with motion palpation Institute. And I, so I, I like those things. I, I want to stay involved with those things. And it's a good uh, way for me to think about now, what do I want to do with this practice I have now versus 
three years from now, you know, today versus three years from now versus 10 years from now, what, what, what do I visualize happening? And um, I, it, for me, it was just a helpful exercise. Yeah. And then it, to, to kind of, you know, transition out or, or bridge the gap between uh, doing it for yourself, because all of the, all of the people in, in the mastermind were, are, you know, practice owners or partners. Yeah. And yeah. But then the key next step is once you've gotten super clear on your, say, let's just call it the three-year vision, part of the leadership is then being able to enroll your team members into that uh, and, and get them to be bought into it as well. And now everybody's on the same page as far as uh, a common goal. And I think a, a big leadership fail I know I had in the past was I would do these for myself, but I never would actually enroll other people. And that was part of why I, I kind of put myself on the spot and did a presentation to you all uh, to, to let, to kind of practice that. Cause I'm going to present it to my team and I wanted to, you know, present it to you guys and just get some feedback. And uh, cause you have to enroll your team in these visions uh, that you have. Otherwise it's going to be really hard getting there. And that kind of reminds me of that image you had on one of your slides, which was the difference between a boss and a leader. And it's that picture which some people might've seen where the boss is like uh, pushing the cart or like whipping them to pull the yes. cart. Right. Yes. And then the leader is the leader is kind of like leading the the way type of deal. And so I thought yeah, that helping, was a pretty helping pull. Yeah. 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 Helping yeah, pull. Exactly. And so I think the, that when you had that image up there, it really connected the dots for me is like, okay, it's one thing to have your own vision, but are you, enrolling your team around that so that you help them and they help you pull it versus you trying to obviously push it. So in our office, we're always talking about culture. I don't use the word culture, but we're always talking about how we're going to do things. And one of the lines I use, if one patient ever, ever, ever feels like a number in our clinic, then we've really screwed up. That's when we know we've lost it. And so we can't ever have a patient feel like that. They have to feel special because they are. And we have to work around that. So our, and our staff is bought into that concept. Uh, my docs are all bought into the idea that they have to be the best clinician on the planet. And that they are incredibly uh, sharp and they're always reading and always studying, always taking classes. And there's a little bit of a, a healthy competition amongst the docs because they all know the other doc is sharp and I better not fall behind kind of idea. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no room for mediocre. You would just get, you would just get uh, drowned if you were mediocre kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I think that's healthy. And, but this idea that, um, okay, so this is the way I say it, a little bit silly, but do you, mm -hmm. do you ever tell your kid, oh, I love you? And you're like, well, of course I tell my kid I love him. Mm -hmm. Well, why do you keep telling them? Don't, don't you think that you've told them before? Don't you think they know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know but you tell them you love them again anyway. Yeah. Same thing with your staff. They know, let, they, they, your culture needs to be repeated. The things that you do needs to be explained again and again, like, we all think that our staff understands exactly what kind of technique we use. We're activator or we're Gonstead or we're motion palpation or whatever it is. They know, they understand it less than you might think, unless you are repeating it and talking about it and, and describing it. And, and uh, the recent staff meeting, I, I showed a little uh, video that of me do, doing a, uh, an adjustment on a patient and kind of explaining it as I went through. And I showed a thing that I show patients sometimes about how, you know, how the importance of respiration and how to get started with respiration kind of as step one in our, our DNS based uh, rehab. Mm -hmm. 
So just to try and bring them more up to date, talk about why would we order an MRI? What is traction used for? What, what does ART do? What, you know, what does MDT do? And, and kind of just repeat it because, yeah, you have to repeat it. Well, it, it kind of goes, you said a couple of times during the weekend about, you know, you're, you're an A to Z guy. And, and that resonated with me as well, because you've always been about systems and, and you want to know where, how it goes from A to Z. And a lot of chiropractors talk about having systems in their practice and that's great, but then they implement a system, whatever it is, and they may train their team once on it and think that they should be able to run that particular system or all the systems. And, uh, that's just not the case, right? Like there's gotta be consistent the training and coaching. Yes. Yes. And I use the example of the, uh, you know, the armed forces or, yep. or the symphony or the, the, a, a sports team, you know, that mm. they, they, um, they practice, 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 practice. The Navy SEALs are the perfect example. They've mm -hmm. done so many, gone through it so many times that if something goes off script, boy, they can adapt to it and, you know, make it happen because they've gotten, they've gotten it down. Mm -hmm. um, they've gotten it down so much. <clears throat> so the idea of, of constant, re, constantly retraining and, and, and uh, re-educating, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's just something you have to accept as part of the deal. And one of the things I emphasize with systems, this is an important point. The reason I've been obsessed with systems is so that I have time to not worry about this, how it's going to get done. I, I, you know, I always say, you know, you're all obsessed about your systems, and that, but you don't have time to go have a cup of coffee with one of your docs or one of your staff members. You don't have time to go to have a lunch with one of your uh, team members because you're over here focused on your system. Put the systems in place and make the retraining just part of the deal. It's just part of the deal. We're going to go over this. So my staff gets, you know, kind of jokingly like, okay, yeah, we know we don't have the system yet for whatever this thing going on in the office is because they know I'm going to ask. Well, this. We can't, we can't do this again. What, what, what's the system? They know I'm going to answer. So they're already a step ahead. Okay. You know, I know they're thinking, oh, this goofball. Um, but they know we have to have a system for it. And the reason is, is so then I can focus my attention on my patients or on my staff, their personal, personal stuff, that, uh, rather than just uh, me over on the corner spinning on this system I have to have. Get the system in place. Make sure uh, retraining on it is just part of the deal and do it over and over again. That allows you to have the free time to do things to, to make to make a, a real connection with your people. And I think what we need to realize, and this is something I'm understanding for myself, is that part of the system that you implement has to have training as part of the system, <laughs> right? right. And, and so if you're going to implement something, you have to understand that within that system is a particular training of the system and, and build that into it. And if it's something that you can't undertake because you don't have the time to train it on, then you probably don't have the bandwidth to implement that right now. Right. And, and uh, people say that all the time. I don't have time to do such as, well, you know, the old John Wooden quote was, you know, if you can't do it right the first time or, because you don't have time, uh, mm -hmm. then when are you going to have time to, to redo it or fix it? You know, he yep. said, well, when are you going to have time to do it the second time? Mm -hmm. Um that may, I, I thought that was John Wooden. Well, anyway, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Abraham Lincoln. No, I'm just yeah, it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever it was, uh, it's a great lesson. It's like, uh, if you don't have time to, to, to do the training, then don't take on the project or the, yep. or the associate or the new staff or whatever it is. If you don't have time to do the training, then it, it's going to go poorly and then you're going to be frustrated. 
All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. Hey doc, are you moving office spaces or you're a startup with your own new space or you're like me where you need renovations because it's starting to look a little worn after about 10 years like ours is? Um, Crossfields Chiropractic Office Design is here to elevate you wherever you're at and they're going to help maximize your space and flow. They're going to really help attract and retain patients and this is going to have a great ROI on your investment when you increase that patient experience. So check out Chiropractic office designs by Crossfields. And we have a special link for modern chiropractic marketing listeners. And that is www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. And with that, you're going to have discounts. We're going to have direct links to a mega bundle of free resources. And you can check them out and you can get 15 of our most popular floor plans, five phase checklist for a startup office, five point designer checklist to evaluate your current office image and there's 30% off on all online products when you go to www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. So you just uh, helped me segue perfectly into another thing that we talked a lot about during these weekends is, is associates and it's a, a loaded thing, but like you just mentioned, you know, do you have the time to properly train an associate? And, you know, everybody says they want an associate, they want a good associate, right? They want to get a, a good associate. Uh, and it, it seems to be an, an obstacle, but um, you had a lot of good uh, information on that. What are some of the things, and this is kind of a 30, we'll start with like a 30,000 foot overview and then go from there. But um, what is your recommendation to practice owners that are, that are looking for a good associate? What are some of the things they need us to be uh, doing to achieve that? Kevin, I have to start with right this minute in time, for whatever reason, it's no one seems to be able to find an associate. The, the, mm. the associates just don't seem to be applying for the jobs. I don't know where they are because they are graduating. I don't know if they're all starting their own. I'm just not exactly sure what they're doing. Mm. Uh, it's a little confusing to me, but then again, every industry in America right now is struggling with finding people. Now, if you listen to this this video, this this uh, interview in 2024 or 2025, it, it, things may be completely different. But right this minute in time, in 2022, the, it, there's a struggle to find the right people, and they're having the uh, having to struggle finding the right associate. Mm -hmm. And I know the associates would say I'm having trouble finding the right position, which you know. So I know it goes both ways. But what I'm what I'm talking about for the owner doctor right now 
Mm-hmm. And what some of them are going to do is they're going to say, uh-oh, I, I've got to take whoever I can get because I need right. someone. And please, that's the big mistake is because yep. that just creates stress and heartache for yourself. It's just mm-hmm. not worth You're better off putting your nose to the grindstone and just keep keep going the way you are because uh, it'll save it, the net will be that you will save time. So from a overview, though, I emphasize get the right person. Then yep. you've got to have time to work with them and spend time with them, uh, making sure they're up to up to the, the quality that you want. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a good one to begin with and then make sure you train them enough so they can be at the level you are. What a lot of owner doctors do is then they don't want to give up any control. They don't want mm-hmm. the new patient to go to the new doctor because they're either their ego won't allow them. That's yep. probably the reason uh, mm-hmm. it happens a lot. Or they say, well, the patient wanted to see me. Well, at least offer them the choice. Uh, if you're not available for a week and they can see the, the associate doctor today or tomorrow, they, your staff should be offering that to them. And then you have to give that associate doctor a chance to handle those patients and 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 develop their practice, uh, build their practice. Because if, if you, in other words, you can't be a control freak is what I'm trying to say. They're not going to do things exactly the way you do. They're going to do, they're going to do things a little different. And you, if you cannot accept that, please don't get an associate. So if you're, they're going to do it differently. I'm not saying you're activator and you're, they're Gonstead. Mm-hmm. I'm saying uh, even within the, say, a mo- just since I'm with motion palpation Institute, let's say they're, you're both motion palpation functional model kind of docs. There's still going to be difference. This guy might emphasize a little ART and this guy might emphasize a little more DNS and this guy might emphasize a little more MDT with their adjustments. Yeah. Okay. Understand that there, you, you, my attitude is, hey, I'm just going to learn from them. I have in our office two incredibly good ART practitioners. I have the best DNS practitioner in our, our area. And I just, mm-hmm. I learn from them. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't care that they're better at it than me. I want to try and get better. So I just learn from them and see how they do things and how they manage things. And here, let me try this on you. Am I doing this right? And, and we set time aside where we have our little study group because we have eight chiropractors and two DPTs mm-hmm. for a lot of these things. We just get together the 10 of us or counting the PTA 11 of us. And we'll go over uh, some rehab or we'll go over some soft tissue stuff that we're doing, but we'll, it, it allows us to, again, to, to see, how, to learn from each other. So um, I kind of went off on a couple tangents. No, here. That was great. And one of the things I wanted to circle back on with what you said was, was you know, and it kind of is that ego thing. And, um, in my practice, uh, two things I want to talk about. One was we do have a certain requirement of our doctors, right? They, they've got to be really strong on palpation and adjustment. Like they just have to be, I've been fortunate enough to, to seem to get good MPI docs to come in and that they just tend to be really good at that, which is great. So you have to have that. That's like table stakes. And then, uh, ART now, if they're not certified in it, or they're missing a couple of them, I'll pay for them to get that. Uh, but, and then some rehab. But then from within there, I, I call it, I let them have artistic freedom, right? And so as long as they can come to the, t- to the table with the right things that I need, then from there, I give them some artistic freedom. And you got to understand that, which is, which is great. The second thing that I noticed, and again, you mentioned it, uh, you know, not, not get letting the ego get in the way of letting them have some access to patients and some of your patients, it was pretty eye-opening for me because as a lot of people know, I just exited patient care and so many of my patients transitioned to my other doctors and I don't think they miss me that much. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, that's because your other doctor's good. 
yeah, you know, they, they're trained well, they, they do a good job. We communicate well with them in the transition. Uh, they've trusted our office for five, 10, 12 years. And they know that um, someone that I'm going to hire to care for them would probably be better than if they left and went to another chiropractic office that they don't know. Right. And, and as I saw that, I realized like, you know what, you may be great. You know, I had a great following. I've done a lot over 18 years and stuff like that, but it wasn't as hard to transition my patients as I thought it would be. Um, and, and I, it, you know, it could have impacted my ego, but I was pretty excited about that from a business standpoint that they weren't right. leaving. Right. right. Um, but in the past, I remember when I owned my practice for a few years and I had an associate, there was that ego for me and there was that almost inner competition. And it, and it really, I feel like looking back on it, having some, you know, self-reflection, it, it definitely sabotaged the situation. Well, I always have traveled a lot between MPI and whatnot. Um, and, and so I've always, I've been gone a lot from my office, you know, a, a fair amount anyway. And, and so I always tell my patients to see, you know, one of the other docs when I'm not available, because I put them on a care plan, you know, I've OCD about a care plan. And I tell them that this is the care plan. I'm going to be gone for a week or a weekend or whatever. And you're on three times a week or whatever they're on. And I just have them see the other doc. And I tell the other docs, make it very clear. If you have the opportunity to take over care of this patient and you take them as your patient going forward, great. I've been in that area for 35 years. I'll just get more new ones hmm. and I can just keep, keep it going. And then guess what? These docs are such rock stars. They just, my patients can switch to them and they always come back. If they come back to me, they always say the same thing. Well, Dr. So-and-so was, did such a great job. And and a lot of times they will see me occasionally, but mainly switch over to the other one and say, you know, I'll see you occasionally, but I love the other doc. So it works out was what I'm trying to say that they, they like these other docs. And when these other docs take over care, they're just, they're, they're more available than I am. They're, uh, they do a great job. So the patient ends up the winner in, in the whole thing. And that's what, obviously what matters. And that's the thing with the ego thing is that the average doc owner doc won't allow that that, that, that a patient doesn't like it, that a patient likes the other doc more than themselves. It's, it's so true. And that's just got to stop for sure. And you left us with a little small group breakout, which I really liked. And it's kind of a, a great little uh, homework assignment for our audience. And you had us um, discuss with our group, any roadblocks in regards to hiring and developing a successful associate. So again, it's hiring and developing a successful associate. And, and we work through that as small group. And I think for our audience right now is, is, you know, be honest with yourself. Like it's just you. So, you know, get your ego out of the way for a second. And really what is your roadblocks that are preventing you from doing it aside from, yeah, it's a challenging time to find one and hire, but uh, you can even write that down, but what are the roadblocks? I really like that little breakout we did. And again, these were high level docs and we all have our issues with finding and developing good successful associates. So it's not easy. If I hit the, the key points though, is the roadblock is not taking the time to find the really good one. Mm -hmm. uh, not setting time aside for training, not leaving your ego at the door to help them build their practice. Those are, those are some of the really key ones that I think, uh, you know, that, that come into play that, you know, don't, if you're a control freak, boy, so you're going to burn through the associates. You're going to lose one after another and they're never going to be good enough. 
And, and if you hire the, the really good ones, here's the way I say it. In my office, I have these other docs working there. We all work for the company, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. They don't need me. None of my docs need me. They can go out and be successful. If they move to, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio, if they move to California or Texas or Maine or Florida, they'll do just great. They, they do not mean, need me. But if I make it a good place to work and we're a team and they, they're, they're, they like the team, then they'll stay. So for the most part, they stay. And, and the reason is, like I say, they, they have their, essentially their own practice with, uh, within our four walls. Mm-hmm. And I am not t- dictating them to them what they need to be doing for patient care. I love discussing patient care. I'd love discussing cases, look at these x-rays, look at, the, look at this patient history, patient presented with. I love talking about all that. But I don't dictate what they're going to do. They do not need me. And by the same token, I do not need them. Yep. which is makes it a lot better that, Hey, we'll stay together because this is working for us. And, and, and don't let me make you feel, I'm not, I don't want you to be delu- uh, delusional about what I'm saying here. We have our problems. Mm-hmm. We have, we just, we were talking about systems a minute ago. My systems aren't perfect. I'm still working on getting them better. My p- relationship with the associates, it's not hundred percent perfect. All it's not paradise all the time, but at least you're starting with that foundation. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, another example of, um, you know, I've, I've always looked at you as someone that doesn't have a, a, a big ego and that you can be 62 years old and been doing this for 35 plus years and realize you, you still haven't figured it out, which right. I love that. I love that beginner's mind that you still have. Right. And, and it, well, it keeps things more interesting for you. That's true. That's true. So now let's segue a little bit because, you know, there's this definitely chasm between um, hiring a good associate and actually becoming a desired associate. So we have a lot of people out there, uh, students or recent graduates or soon to be graduates or young docs looking for jobs and they're having a hard time too, which is weird. Um, But what are some of the things that uh, some like someone in that position and they want to become a desired associate. They want to leave school or, or, or get a good job. Uh, what are some of the traits that they need to possess to be desired? So, I, I, again, intrinsically motivated. How, how are their hands? How, you know, the, from a manual skill standpoint, how are their hands? So we've had this big mess with COVID, with kids not going to classes. Uh, they go, they're not doing their uh clubs they're not getting basically bottom line they're just not getting their hands on people as much as they did previously in years past chiropractic you know you've got to practice palpating you've got to practice your setups and adjusting and you've got to do you, you know you've got to do if you if you're a soft tissue person you've got to put your hands on them if you're dns you've got to learn how to cue them and touch the patient here so they know to give you a little more movement that direction and uh you know if you can't develop your hands uh that's a big uh, downer. Now, obviously, if you do want, if you're going to do a nutrition practice, that's not as important. If you're doing strictly M, uh, real pure MDT, not as important. But if you're doing motion palpation based kind of stuff, going and doing palpation and adjusting, boy, you better develop those skills, and then you better be able to develop the skills to do a, a, a you know case management, uh, be able to do a report of findings, and be able to explain to a patient what their problem is, and and, and be willing to put them on a care plan. And I say this over and over again, you have to be, these patients want a care plan. They're coming to you because they don't, they don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know what to do. They want some help and you, maybe you're the one who can help them. So you have to give them hope that, yes, I can help you. And here's the plan. 
And I always use the exaggerated analogy that if you went to an oncologist because you had cancer and he said, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, check back with me in a while. You'd be like, wait a minute, what are we, what's the plan here? What, you know, I've got cancer. I, I might die. What, what, what are we going to do here with this? Uh, and so th logically you would want to have a, the, a plan in place and people with cancer will say that they feel better once they're told the plan. Patients, when they come to you, they're in pain routinely. Most of them come to you because they have pain and they need a plan for how I'm going to get out of pain. How am I going to be able to pick up uh, my grandchild or how am I going to be able to swim on my high school swim team or whatever it is? They need to know the plan so that they can go back to that again, whether it's get out of pain or to be able to function better and do the activities they want to be able to do. So backing up to, I'm getting long-winded, backing up to your original question, yeah. Can you manage a patient from a standpoint of, do you have, have you been developing your hand skills? And two, can you, can you uh, explain to a patient and put them on a care plan and, and, and manage that patient going forward? Those yeah, are, if yeah. you want to be valued or desired, bingo, that's where it's at right there. Yeah. You know, I was telling you the story over dinner, um, one of our small group dinners and, you know, MPI was, was obviously instrumental for me. I was kind of lost I think going into try four, uh, I wasn't getting any hands-on. I, I, I was kind of getting, you know, sucked up into the other side of the profession. I really wasn't enjoying. And it was, you know, Mark Hawkins who first introduced me. And I was lucky where Brett Winchester was actually a student later on. He, he was a later try, but he was the club rep for MPI. So I got to learn from him uh, early on. And, and I found a, a group to where I was doing, you know, instead of playing ping pong for every lunch, like I was, I started going to MPI club and getting a ton of hands on. And so by the time I got into student clinic was, was better than most and, you know, not perfect by any stretch. And then I would say the big difference is like when I graduated, uh, I felt confident that my hands, my palpation, my, my adjusting, would have a better chance of getting me a job than losing me a job. Right. And a lot of, you know, whenever we're interviewing someone or we have someone come in, you know, most owner doctors are going to have you adjust them. And I think every chiropractor that has owned a practice and been doing this for a while that has had a young doc, you know, adjust them right out of the gates, you can say, okay, that person has potential, knows what they're doing pretty good. Like, you know, like right out of the gates, or you're like, Oh, that's pretty bad. And I felt like my skill set coming out of school, was it perfect? No, it takes, it takes years for it to get better. And we're all still working on it. Right. Uh, but I felt like it had a much better um, potential of getting me a job than losing me a job. Yeah. I think that's spot on. And, and yeah, that part where they say, Hey, can you adjust me? These docs want to, they know you're going to be touching their patients yeah. in, in that clinic and they want to know that there's a level of competence. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just a it's sad situation this last couple of years because of COVID. And it's not necessarily, you know, the student's fault or anybody's fault, but there's a lot of students right now that missed a year or two of, of actual hands-on and it's time to, to really make up for that. And there are opportunities to, to do that. Uh, I remember hitting, hitting it hard for like that first year when I first started finding MPI club and how much I got better in a year was just significant. Um, so it's definitely not too late and there's opportunities to get out there. I just think these young docs need to start uh, actually signing up for in-person seminars 
And, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, getting back into it. I don't think there's a lot of restrictions in most places. I'm sure there are some, but um, I know that MPI has been, uh, been able to get back into person a lot. And you got a lot of different things coming up. Uh, uh, you got a Justathon coming up, right? What, when is that? So that's a, uh, October 1 and 2 uh, in Kansas City. And that's just a big, fun weekend where it really, it, for a lot of the students, they, they love it because the, the, uh, there's, you know, 150 or 200 people in there and there's 10 MPI instructors going around helping everybody. And it's just a really a cool event. It's really for all the MPI instructors. It's, it's just our favorite weekend. We just mm -hmm. get to meet all the reps from the, a lot of the reps come from the different cities. A lot of they bring other students. And so it's just a, we call it literally call it the adjustathon, and it's in a big open air, uh, open room at Cleveland, uh, uh, chiropractic college in uh, Cleveland chiropractic college in Kansas city. And, it's a perfect setup for that. Everybody brings their portable tables and sets up and we go and it really, it really is an amazing time. I would say that's a good example of a class you can take and then couple that with going to Motion Palpation Club or having, uh, I used to jokingly, I always jokingly call it trauma sessions where you have palpating mm -hmm. and, and uh, adjust sessions in your apartment kind of thing while you're a student. For the docs that are in practice, you, you know, make a study club. If you don't have enough people in your practice to do have, have a study group, uh, set up your own study group with some of the local docs. That's what I did when we first got to Cincinnati. We had six or eight different offices that would get together once a month and, you know, kind of a beer and pizza kind of thing at the time. Uh, but the, the point was that you would, you know, somebody would teach us something. We'd all teach each other. You know, each one teach one is, is, is the phrase that mm -hmm. they use at the mastermind is each one teach one. Everyone would do whatever their kind of their specialty is and teach. I might do like palpate and adjust the foot. And then we had a Cairo neuro that would talk about his exam and what he did there. And somebody was good at soft tissue. You get the point. Um, but yeah, you've got to get to the motion palpation club. You've got to get to these uh, live seminars. We're not, we, there's only so much you can do over zoom or over these uh, interviews, these podcasts uh, compared to getting in there and really getting your hands on someone and practicing it's, it. It's we we need to get hands on. That's the bottom line. And we have examples like with this adjustathon, but we have uh, a lot of seminars each year. I don't, I should know this, but we probably have 30 or 40 seminars a year throughout the United States and around the world. And uh, there's plenty of opportunity if you want to, if you want to get your hands on people and, and, and practice. Yeah. I, I'm looking at the, the site now it's a uh, motionpalpation.org. And I see you got, you're sending Corey over to, to the UK. Um, is he allowed to leave the country? Well, um, he probably has an ankle bracelet on it. But um, well, Anglo-European Chiropractic College is uh, in Bournemouth, England, and they've had us come over there for years mm -hmm. and, um, and teach there at the school. It's just a cool, I've been over there probably five or six times, and, and it's just a cool adventure for us and, and a great opportunity for us to go there. And, you know, the people in the chiropractors in the UK, they have the, they have the same problems we have in the U U.S. as far as you know, they need to get better at their skills. They need, they have patients to deal with. They have staff to deal with. It's the same everywhere. And they're, but they are very interested in what we do. They have a functional model and it's, it's just fun for us. I'm going there in 2020, in, in uh, June of 2023, I'm teaching in, in Bournemouth. And, uh, you know, I love going over there. That's great. But, uh, you know, the adjustathon, you got quite a lineup of MPI instructors there. So that's, 
that's exciting to get everybody there and get hands on. It could be a great jump start for the docs or, 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 you know, students to get going with back on hands-on. So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried post COVID about the uh, manual skills. I really am. I'm a little worried that we're, that we have fallen behind. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't want to go to a den, a new young dentist who, who, <clears throat> who didn't work on any of the other students while he or she was in dental school. Right. Yep. So I uh, would rather they have uh, practiced on other people before they, you know, screw, screw up my situation. So same thing with chiropractic. You, you need to get your hands on practice, practice lots of setups, lots of palpation. And, and I'm telling you, everybody improves with those, with those good reps. You know, and I'm going to kind of put a bow on it and circle back around, but it's part of leadership is you, you got to hold yourself accountable. Like you said, intrinsic, intrinsically motivated. And this is part of that. You have to recognize that you were put in a bad situation, but you can't let that uh, dictate the rest of your career and say, Oh, well, I was, you know, uh, screwed over by COVID and I couldn't get the hands on that I needed. Like, this is your opportunity to do it. Uh, put your ego aside and realize like, okay, maybe you're a little bit behind the eight ball and you're going to be uh, a little awkward with getting back into hands on a lot, but uh, the sooner you start working on it, the better. So uh, take the leadership, remove the ego, get back to hands on and you will improve significantly if you stay consistent with it. I'm with you on that. The, 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 the COVID was an obstacle, mm -hmm. and, but it's not the end. I mean, it can't, that's not enough. You can, yeah. you can recover. You can definitely recover if you, if you feel like you're behind at this point. You can recover. Definitely. Well, thanks, Mark. I, I really appreciate. Always enjoy conversing with you. We'll be seeing each other at the Mastermind in Key Largo in November. I'm excited about that. Can't uh, wait. Yeah, we'll have a good time and make sure we learn a few things. And so I'll see you then. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Great talking with you. That is it for this week's episode. But before you leave, check us out at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com for all kinds of free resources such as blogs and the podcast episodes. We've got online courses. You can check out the Chiropractic Success Academy there, which is an amazing online coaching system for you at a very affordable monthly rate. Uh, there's a free online course on the modernchiropracticmarketing.com website, so check that out. If you're interested in some one-on-one -on -one coaching, we can do that as well. We have all kinds of resources for you there, and we would also truly appreciate if you could rate and review this podcast if you're getting valuable information out of it. I can't thank you enough, and we'll see you next week.